0: Hello, this is Trinity, and this is episode 12 of the Nerdry Podcast, or Nerdry. Um, as you know, I have a Gmail account that you can send emails about my podcast to. It's Podcast at com. I also have a Facebook page. You can just search the Nerdry Podcast on Facebook and give my page a like, and you can share anything you'd like to with me, um, any questions or concerns, et cetera, et cetera, you can send to my email account. So today's going to be special because I am going to have a guest today. Uh, it's only the second time I've ever had a guest. This time it's going to be my younger brother, Jack. Say hi, Jack.
1: Hi.
0: That's him. And uh, and we're just going to chat a little bit. He's a, a very, very intelligent and well-read person so a lot of people can learn something from him and uh, he's very tech savvy so often when he's speaking my eyes kind of blaze over and I just have to smile and nod but I really enjoy talking to him and I think you guys might enjoy listening. So I'm going to skip over the part where I normally talk about what book I'm reading since I'm still in the same book I've only advanced maybe 10 pages and I want to give more time for my special guest today. Uh, my book recommendation for today is Cruel Lie, spelled C-R-E-W-E-L-L-Y-E, caustic Yarn. Um, it's a Xanth book by Piers Anthony, who is my favorite author. I don't remember if I've mentioned that before. Um, but basically, Xanth is a fantasy world that looks uh, suspiciously similar to Florida. And it's created by Piers Anthony, and he's written like 40 or more of these Xanth books that all interconnect with each other. Um, You'll see the same characters running into each other from other adventures you've read in different books, which is really cool. And Jack, can you guess when the Xanth novels actually started? When he started writing them? No idea. 1977. They're as old as Star Wars. (laughs) So they were born in the same year. That's kind of cool. Cruel Lie is one of my favorite of the Xanth novels. Uh, That one actually came out in 1984 which is like three years before I was born. So like all of his Xanth novels, there are a lot of pens and um, some sexual content, though nothing R-rated. And um, I think his stories are unlike any other stories. Basically, every human in Xanth is born with a, a magical ability of some sort, and they call them talents. And it ranges from, I can put a spot on the wall of my mind, to knowing the answer to everything. Um, And it's how one would determine how respectful or powerful a Xanth character is, basically. In Cruel Lie, um, Jordan, the barbarian, is the main character. And he's like Wolverine, basically. He can just perpetually heal himself. Um, But the story starts out with Jordan talking to a little girl in the castle, and he's dead. He's a ghost. So obviously there's something strange going on there. If he can heal himself, why is he dead? Um, I don't want to ruin it for those of you who actually want to give it a read... Uh, so if you like funny, witty, in my opinion, wordplay, puns, fantasy with some gore and action type books, you might really like this. The second part of my uh, podcast today is going to be the weird word of the day, and I know I'm not going to pronounce this right. You can give it a go, Jack, if you want to. It's, this is the word here. <laughs> it's just ridiculously long. It's elogo fucio Hippopo Cunurius. Iologo Fuscio
1: I'll take your word for it.
0: Okay. that Yeah. Um, and you won't believe what the meaning is. It is literally just a synonym for the word good. So you're like, oh, that's good. Or you can say, oh, that's the Logo Fuchsia Hippopopo <laughs> What's interesting is that it isn't really in any dictionaries. Um Not even like the English dictionary or the Oxford Dictionary. It's been around for less than five years and if my research on it is accurate, it's only ever used in discussions about the longest words in English. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you've never heard it before, um, just as I have never heard it before until I was researching words for this segment of my podcast. If you would like to learn more about the history of this word because it's a little bit interesting, for people who like that kind of stuff, um, you can find a nice article about it on uh, Medium.com, which is where I did most of my research, um, and search for Vladimir Um, V-O-L-O-D-Y-M-Y-R-B-I-L-Y-K is his name. Uh, that's uh, all the way back from December 26, 2016, and he has quite a few other interesting articles I found on that. Um, actually, that whole website, um, when I was searching for my rear of the day, is pretty interesting. So hey, have fun looking into that. It's like a word-of-the-mouth stumble-upon referral, so anybody use stumble-upon, I do. Anyway, so now that we've got past the weird word of the day, um, now I'm going to go ahead and have a chat with Jack, and uh, we'll see where that goes. So, Jack, um, is there anything, first of all, that you want to tell my two to three measly viewers about yourself before we get launched into a conversation?
1: Sure thing. Um, Contrary to what my sister said at the start of this podcast, I'm not actually nearly as smart as she describes. Oh,
0: whatever, being so humble.
1: (laughs) Uh, Did you call
0: me Humble? Humble! (laughs) What the fuck is Humble? (laughs)
1: Um, Her eyes glazing over and shutting. That's just normal, I think. It's Mm. some kind of medical condition. Yes,
0: I have the, the eye glaze medical condition. Like the glaze tastes really good if you put it on a donut, though.
1: I would keep in mind that I'm not an expert in the field of anything I'm talking about, so take whatever I say with a pound of salt.
0: That's actually sage advice. Yeah, don't don't take anything that, that any of us say. Always research everything, uh, which you already know that I express. I Half the time I'm just talking out of my ass, but it doesn't mean that I don't know anything. It just means that I don't expect you to take my word for anything, and I'll take his word for anything. But it's still very interesting to listen to him, and he does know a lot, so... Um, you already know that the reason why I wanted to have you on my podcast was because of the the conversation that we had <clears throat> the other night, but just so, you know, so people know why, um, every once in a while I can get my brother like going, talking, and we'll just, we'll have like a two hour long conversation about whatever. And we had started talking about, I don't even know how we got into it, but it was basically about like how shitty society is right now and how basically people who are, Especially middle class are just fucking stuck. Um, not to say that people who are lower than middle class aren't stuck, but how you're in this weird place where you're too rich to be how poor you are, but you're too poor to be how rich you are, and, and there's just really no getting out of it. Um, and, and the way that we have work set up and all of that um, just really sucks. And I threw out there wouldn't it be great if money wasn't a thing. If we just got rid of money and then, I don't know, we just went back to like the bartering system or anything, it just didn't care about money anymore. And you pointed out why that was a bad idea, which was something along the lines of, well, what if you don't have a thing that somebody needs, so now you can't get your things? And Yeah, and
1: essentially, uh, currency as it is today replaced the bartering system because it became too broad. People were allowed to specialize because of currency. You could have people that do nothing but one thing that even though the majority of the population doesn't ever want that one thing, there are enough people who exist that want it that they could then buy it with money. So it didn't tether down people to having to go into fields where they're only mass producing things that everyone would need and everyone would be willing to trade for instead of banking on the possibility that some one in a million person might wanna trade for something.
0: Congratulations. That was the right answer, apparently. Um, so that led to me talking about, okay, well, ideally the way that I would like it is is just everybody just gets what they need. Everybody should have shelter. Everybody should have a bed to sleep in. Everybody should get food. Everybody should be taken care of when they're sick. Everybody should have these be basic rights. There's no reason why, just because you happen to be born into more money, or you happen to be born in a a more developed country, why you should get better things and get to experience more of the world and have a better life. I think that everybody should have equal opportunity to to enjoy the world. Um, And you said that, that the way to accomplish that was through basic income, which my understanding is that basically you get enough income to cover all of those things, and if you want more, you have to work.
1: So this is one way it might be possible to remedy the situation, and it fixes a lot of other issues that might be coming up very soon with automation and decreasing need for humans and jobs, basically. Um, Mm,
0: Okay.
1: Again, I'm not an expert on this, but I can at least repeat things I've heard on Reddit. (laughs) So basically... Have such a
0: good memory for that.
1: (laughs) uh, It's... Most commonly referred to as universal basic income. Um, Some people have called it unconditional basic income, which I like the best because it says what it is, income, basic, no conditions.
0: Regardless of your condition. Even if you're a psycho killer, rapist person?
1: Um, We already have that. It's called prison, and they are provided (laughs) for better than some homeless people are.
0: That is true, yeah.
1: Although statistically, the psycho murdering rapist is more likely to be free than random, you know, drug dealers or users.
0: The kid who was caught with marijuana one too many times, who's now in jail for life. Um. So Stefan had brought up a point, but I think you basically answered it because I, I talked to him about, a little bit about it, see what his thoughts were, and he's like, "Okay, to play devil's advocate," and like, "Good luck with Jack," because he's got he's has every uh, basis covered. But um, he said, "What about?" The jobs that nobody wants, you know, that everybody wants their burgers, but nobody wants to be flipping burgers. How would we deal with that? And I I guess that your answer would be automation. We would have robots flipping burgers.
1: Through automation, there's already been a few test runs of completely automated, well, fast food restaurants. Um, As far as I know, there's only one that's actually operational. I don't remember what city it is, but if you just look up fully automated fast food burger joint.
0: So there's the one point. that already operates without any people in it or running it or anything, not not even like remote control somehow. So So it,
1: it makes all the food automatically. It takes the orders automatically. Um, obviously, someone has to stock it. But aside from someone being there to stock it and someone being there to drive the food, which might not be something that happens in the future with how we're going with automatic cars. But at the moment you only need a person to stock it and take the money out of it. And that's basically it.
0: Hmm. So, I mean, if every, if every fast food restaurant became like that, how would you deal with customer complaints or, or like, you know, some, they forget something. How do you go in and be like, you forgot, you know, my sauce or something like that, because that could happen. There could be a glitch in the matrix and the robot misses the sauce, or maybe it runs out. Like, how would they, how would they fix that? Basically where Where do you get that little bit of human element of customer service in that?
1: Well, I would say statistically, most people aren't really looking for a human element, especially when it comes to things like food. Most people are much more comfortable ordering their food online and just having it delivered to their doors without having to put any thought into it. They're more comfortable putting something into a machine or pre-ordering before they even step into the place, knowing that, there isn't going to be a person there who's more likely to mess something up and they don't have to worry about ending up on some viral video where some guy stuck his foot in a bucket of lettuce that they then served <laughs> to customers at Burger King.
0: Foot lettuce. Is that what it was? Yeah. Lettuce foot. I guess that does make sense. Even me, but that's just because I'm very antisocial. Um, I prefer to, even with the, the place down the street with the, all the people there that, that I like, and I do go in and say hi to them sometimes, um, I will still prefer to order online rather than call them and talk to somebody, just because I don't want to, have to call people if I don't have to.
1: Exactly. Um, Which is
0: kind of sad.
1: <laughs> the state of that, whether it's better or worse for us, is questionable at best. But I will say that, in my experience, most people I know would just prefer that type of interaction. Mm-hmm. I would prefer just type in a few things, know that a robot is going to get it done with a 99.9% accuracy, and then be happy and on their way. Especially if it's faster and they don't have to think about it. I understand wanting interaction with people, but Mm -hmm. I think uh, if there's any place that some type of robot could do a menial task for me automatically, I'd prefer that to a person doing it.
0: I mean, stuff where, like... No person should have to spend 8 to 10 hours a day doing it. Totally make that automated. I just worry about it going to some sort of, you know, Black Mirror-style dystopian future where nobody talks to each other anymore. And and the only way you can even have children anymore is through, like, fertilization through a robot or something, you know, because people, they lose all their social skills and they can't even have a, a conversation with another person or they get violent or, you know, there's that scare. You have to be careful and... Considering that people aren't very careful. (laughs) It's worrisome. But it, 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 it could solve so many problems, but it could create so many more. So it's like a really scary thin line that they have to walk down. So that they don't, I don't know, basically end up having us kill ourselves through... But lack of breeding, <laughs> things A little like
1: that. bit of a problem with that idea is it comes from where you are now. You're thinking of where there would be a person, there isn't a person, and that person is just gone because they don't have a job, they're not working anywhere. And right now, if you're not working anywhere, you're homeless or destitute. There's nothing you can do. But the idea behind an unconditional basic income is that instead of allocating our welfare resources in the way that we do now, very selectively and through strange processes um, that affect every class, gender, race, sex completely differently. And some of them, because they are all based on uh, estates, can have rules ranging from there's no limit on how long you can be on it to you get three months of welfare out of an entire year and then you're off it unconditionally.
0: Yeah. Um. Ugh, god, I wish I could have you be like emperor of the world. You <laughs> would set some shit straight. What about e- what about education? Would you think that should be an automated thing or would you still want people in the classroom or a mixture of both?
1: Um I would prefer education be automated entirely. entirely,
0: um, entirely automated. Yes. Not even learning from What about Artists or or musical teachers or...
1: I think you're misunderstanding. When I say entirely automated, I mean in the idea that each student could have their own teacher who teaches at their own pace. No. As sort of a automatic teacher, I guess you could call it. Um,
0: So it would still be a person, but it would be... No,
1: it wouldn't be a person, and it's because it's not a person that this could happen. Keep in mind that the current structure of our education system would not allow for all of our students to have one-on-one times with teachers. That just wouldn't be feasible. That's why we have classrooms of 30, 40, I don't know how many it's up to now. And not unless you're
0: paying, like, buku bucks to go to a private school where you're in a class with maybe, like, nine other kids or something like that. Not everybody gets that access.
1: Exactly. And having an automatic teacher, which it's a little bit of a weird term, but basically... A program that learns with you, learns what your capabilities are, and what restricts you, can help you bypass those on your own, is something that can't happen in a modern classroom. We see it all the time with kids who either get left behind and just don't have a way to catch up, or kids who are farther ahead of the rest of the class end up getting pulled back. And that can lead to well, they get
0: bored in their class and yep. they misbehave and then they're labeled as having issues and and never finish school even though they're highly intelligent simply because they the school wasn't paced for them
1: exactly so pacing is a very very big issue and we have no remedy for pacing if you don't fit into the perfect <clears throat> box that is K through 12 and each teacher you get which You've gone through school, and I'm sure all of our listeners have had at least one teacher that you can think of as being a great teacher, and Mm -hmm. the rest that you really just don't remember at all.
0: I've also had a a couple really shitty teachers here and there that really made me dislike school. Uh, I still, to this day, am bothered by the fact that I had a math teacher who did not want to teach me math. Didn't want to deal with it at all, period. I was struggling. I, I got into whatever the one is with letters. Is it algebra? Algebra and this the spatial shit. Algebra, I think uh, geometry I did okay with, and I think it was algebra that I had an issue with, or it was vice versa. Anyway, there was one that just slipped me up. And as soon as I got into that, I used to do great with math. I actually enjoyed math. Once I got into that, I got stuck. And the teacher that I had didn't want to spend any time teaching me. He was frustrated. Um, and never really tried. Anytime I would raise my hand and be like, "Okay, can you help me with this?" because I didn't really get that. Because I, I learned through repetition. I had to go through it several times before I, before it clicks. And he would always say, "Ask your neighbor. Ask your neighbor." He'd say that to everybody, but he said that to me all the time. Well, my neighbor was a student who was sitting next to me, trying to do their homework or their assignment. And they're like, "I can't. I have to finish this." And so I'm like sitting there, waiting on nobody to teach me anything. And eventually, I just started skipping the class. And then I dropped it, and I would go hide out in my art class instead, and I, uh, I never advanced in math. And that's really sad, because maybe I could, I don't know, maybe I could be in a different field, or maybe I would understand certain things better, because I would have a better grasp of, you know, I wouldn't be an enumerate person as much as I am right now, and that frustrates me, that that asshole of a teacher wasn't willing to do his job. So I like the idea of having somebody who is there just for me, who will take all the time that I need, who will teach me in different ways, if that's something that can happen, everybody should get that. That would be amazing.
1: Of course, that didn't sound fair for you at all, but I wouldn't be so quick to jump on the teacher and call him an asshole. We can't even imagine what kind of pressure he was under at the time, especially depending on the period you were in classes when they started introducing things like No Child Left Behind and a whole bunch of new standards for education that really, really pushed this idea of hitting test scores over everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, It's easy to say that someone who wasn't a great teacher for you is a, you know, they shouldn't have been a teacher, but unless you've actually been in the environment where as a teacher, you have all these requirements and every single year you're getting more and more students that you have to push to these requirements. Mm -hmm. And the effort you put into any single student is actually working against you because you have to get the majority of the class passing as fast as possible. And the teachers who you remember as good were in themselves probably nothing less than saints to be able to connect with everybody. You're, you're talking, you know,
0: well, these are people with good attitudes who genuinely enjoyed being around the kids. And that's the kind of person who should be a teacher, somebody who enjoys the job and who has patience and understands leadership skills. I, I may not have been in the exact same situation as, as the teacher and I get what you're saying. Um, but as, a lead in my current job where I have to develop the staff members under me. And there's like a million different things that Faye wants me to consider because that's my boss, by the way. Um, She's like the literally the most detailed, considerate person I've ever met in my entire life. And there's nothing that she doesn't, hasn't already thought about. And I have to think about every single thing that they say, how does that, you know, how can I look at that and, and glean something from that? I have to take their feedback and I have to turn it into Hmm, what does that mean? Am I being perceived the wrong way? Is this something that I really do? I need to listen to all of that. And I also need to think about, okay, if, if this person feels like they're getting ignored by me, that's on me. She'll have a separate conversation with them as well. Like, why are you feeling this way? And, and what can they do? But every single person is always 100% responsible for their part of the relationship. So I have to take it on me. And that's that's what happens when you get into a a lead type position and there there's a a really good book that i that i recommend every single boss in the world reads which is called monday morning mentoring and one of my favorite analogies was when you were just a staff member you're just a employee it's basically like you're a passenger in the backseat you know you got somebody driving the car they're the one who's in charge So you don't get to choose where to go you don't get to choose the music or anything like that so but you can sit in the back and you can talk and you can you know you don't you don't have to pay attention to where you're going because you were just there to, to be in the car, make sure the car is going. Once you jump into a leadership position, suddenly you're not a passenger anymore and now you're in the driver's seat. It's not that you have less responsibility as a lead because you can just let everybody else do the work and you just tell them what to do. Now you have more because now you can't focus on the conversations as much. You have to be paying attention to where you're going. You have to be in charge of where you go. You have to determine which roads you are going to go down. You can't partake in the music or the singing or any of that but you still want to pay attention to what's going on in the car around you because you're responsible for all of these people. And I thought that was a great analogy because it it shows that when you're a lead, and I I consider a teacher to be kind of in a similar position, you are now responsible for all of these people, and it is up to you to make sure that they develop. That is how you succeed. And there were plenty of other teachers that I had in school who probably were under all the exact same, you know, uh, the exact same uh, stipulations that that teacher was under and and they, if I had a question, they would answer my question. They don't necessarily have maybe as difficult a subjects as he did. Uh, English was hard sometimes because there's so much shit you have to remember with, you know, prepositions and nouns and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all that, and, and what does this sentence actually mean, or what do we believe that it means, how do we interpret all that, but I don't know, I, there's different ways of looking at it I think that when you're a kid, it it doesn't matter what's going on in the adult's life, the adult still failed you. Because you're still the kid in that scenario and you don't there's nothing you can do about it. You're at their mercy. And that's anyway. I in a nutshell I, I like the idea of the automated teachers and I, I would I would take an automated teacher right now.
1: (laughs) Well, the good news is, if you want to try it out, you can see something very similar today with Khan Academy. Khan Academy? I think it's Khan Academy. K-H-A-N Academy.
0: K A, I think it's Khan.
1: Yeah, Khan Academy.
0: Like, from Star Trek.
1: Star Trek. I was thinking he is Khan, but okay. (laughs) So... Whatever. You can just pull that up on your browser at any point in time, and it is a... K through twelve subset, everything, and it's all automated. There's no really one on one. It's a bunch of pre-recorded videos from various teachers, along with small tests to oh, confirm that you're learning. Oh, it's free. I miss that
0: part. I like the free part.
1: And. Um, This is something very similar to what I would like to see in a classroom. Obviously a bit more refined and with the ability to interact with people one-on-one would be much better, uh, preferably with more neural networks and learning algorithms that could suggest appropriately based on where you're getting answers right and wrong, which direction you should be steered toward. Uh, The idea is... Pretty simple. Um, this is
0: going on my favorites, just so you know. <laughs> oh my god. So, uh, are these. Now, the question is who is doing the teaching? I don't know if you already answered that, I'm sorry, but who is who are the teachers in this scenario?
1: Um, so, most of the teaching is done through pre recorded videos. It simply pulls up a YouTube video. Well, I don't think it's exactly YouTube, but pulls up a pre recorded video has a short session where they explain something to you using a few different methods, and then gives you a quick test to make sure that you've actually learned the methods, and then it'll move on to the next chapter, which is building upon that foundation. And the idea is that if you have trouble getting through something, it can show you a different video from a different teacher. So, essentially, you could have say, hundreds of teachers teaching the same subject, but they're all going to teach it in slightly different ways. Doing
0: their own style. Exactly.
1: And one of those styles is more likely to click with you than another. By having it pre-recorded, you don't have to worry about having a single teacher that you're stuck with. You didn't choose them, and they didn't choose you. You might not work together the best.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Well, I didn't expect the conversation to go this way, but... Uh, For anybody who's listening, Khan Academy, I'm looking at their website, is a a non-profit, so you can actually donate or volunteer. That's really cool. I'd like to donate to them.
1: In fact, uh, under volunteering, you can actually make those types of videos that (gasps) they put up.
0: I would so do that. I would make a video about cat nutrition. (laughs) I I don't know if anybody would watch it, but that's a really awesome idea because I've got some things to spread to the world about cat nutrition, so... (laughs) That's really cool. I'm glad you brought that up i'm I'm going to go through this and look at it. I'm uh, mostly excited about the science and engineering portion because there's there's math, computing, arts, test prep, um, science and engineering includes cosmology, biology oh high school biology. I'd probably start there as long as I don't have to dissect a frog. I'm good um and physics. so I would like to learn the basics of all of those. That's really awesome.
1: That's so cool. We've gone pretty off track here, but uh, the point really has been made, yeah. <laughs> automation, um, automation might be seen as a bad thing, uh, just because a lot of people like the human element, they like the human touch, but in general, automation is, it's going to come whether we're ready for it or not.
0: You're such a visionary. <laughs> didn't I tell you he was smart? I feel like i am I'm listening to a teacher right now. You know, I've got some of your genes. We're related. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I should probably ask for those back. Uh, So, (laughs) in essence, automation is a big part of the future, and it's very likely that as everything becomes automated, we're not going to have really any new jobs to take up that automated space. It doesn't make sense to have... You know, truck drivers. When we're already looking at having I think automatic semi trucks, they've done a few yeah, test runs. I think Budweiser did. Uh, that was public a while back. There then. are
0: some semi trucks too. The Dragons. That's ups. what I
1: was talking. about. A little creepy. <laughs> Budweiser had a semi truck delivered automatically, and um, there are too many benefits for any company in the right mind to pass up automation. Once yeah. you have a person, you're talking about. Obviously, paying them a yearly salary or hourly wage, which is, you know, ten or twenty thousand dollars a year, depending if they're part time or full time, and uh, lower paid positions. Yeah, but I'm then you say, also,
0: like
1: <laughs> at a lot of places, are required to give them some type of benefits or medical or dental, depending on how many hours they're working. Um, if they ever mess up something that could come at a loss to the company. If they get injured the company could potentially be liable for some type of suit which again costs them a lot of money uh they take sick days it's just there are so many things associated with a person that many times that role can be replaced with some sort of automation uh which you pay maybe you know fifteen thousand dollars for once and then it's just the cost of electricity and maintenance from there on. The
0: real question is if if the, the people that we've elected to run the country, if they're going to figure this out, because it's a, it's a really incredibly radical change to switch over to being automated and being okay with people getting what they need without working, that's because right now it's demonized. Um, and people who are on welfare programs, by the way, don't want to be on welfare. Sure, there's like one bad egg out there, but... The people who are getting food stamps, that, that sucks for them. They hate that. Um, they don't want to be on it. My great-grandma was on food stamps because she was 90 years old and on her own and couldn't work. And she she did not like it. She felt she didn't want to be given things handed out there. She wanted to work. For, at 90 years old, this frail old woman who's been through, like, everything, most people are like that. And a lot of people today in America, who are homeless, do actually work. So we've got to somehow figure out how to change the entire perception of a vast majority of Americans, I feel like, to where it's actually okay if you aren't working a million hours a week. And it just because you have a different job than somebody else doesn't mean that you're more valuable than ever, that you're lazy and, and just living off the government.
1: And this is all where universal basic income comes into play with automation to make it a good thing. Yeah. So with universal basic income, uh, essentially, we get rid of all of our welfare programs as they exist currently, all their flaws, all their or pros Or there's just and one cons. big one,
0: basically, for everybody. <laughs>
1: essentially. Um, everyone just gets a paycheck at the end of every month deposited directly into their account, as if you had a job. The only difference is you don't have a job. Uh, Wouldn't that
0: be nice? (laughs) Income would
1: vary depending on where you are living. So that way you always have enough money to make a living no matter where you live. Uh, the idea is pretty simple. If you're living in a lower income area, you get enough money for an apartment, food, water, uh, you know, maybe basic entertainment, Netflix or something. Essentially, okay. you aren't required to work, but I imagine there isn't a single person listening to this podcast who doesn't want to work. Even if you yeah. had the option to quit your job right now, you'd probably want to work someplace else.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't want to sit down. You get bored.
1: Yeah, absolutely. and there's a lot of
0: people like my best friend, who you know very well. She cannot sit down. She is, she's too smart. She's got too much to go on her race. She got too much energy. She usually has to have three jobs at a time and be going to school full time. I have never, ever, ever, in in the entire time I've known her since I was about ninth grade and now I'm in my thirties, she has never not been in school in some way. She's constantly having to learn. So even if she was getting paid, she'd always be doing something. And even me, as lazy as I am and as much as I hate working, (laughs) I still want to go out and do stuff with animals. So I'd be out you know doing what would be considered now volunteer work i'd be cleaning up oceans and i'd be picking up garbage and i'd be saving beached whales and i'd be helping you know ran over possum babies and stuff like that i would be i would be doing something i wouldn't just be sitting on my ass all i would sit on my ass but not all the time so
1: fair enough and there's probably a lot of questions when most people hear unconditional basic income their immediate thoughts are on the system where we are currently. If you today just suddenly had an extra thousand dollars in your account every month for no reason whatsoever, um, you might think people would just get lazy or they do less. But quite the opposite. It turns out most people as they get more money, they really just kind of spend that money. Um, As an example, uh, I know our mom, for example, she is in a situation where she, uh, between her and her husband are getting in around, I think, $150,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Somewhere
0: around there.
1: But they're also... Which
0: feels like a, an astronomical amount to me. <laughs>
1: it's It feels like it. But to them, I know it doesn't feel like it. Because once you have that money, you start getting things you want. And as you get those things you want, you hit this wall where you can't spend any more money because you don't have any more money.
0: Mm-hmm. So...
1: People are always going to want things. You get used
0: to living a certain way.
1: Exactly. So as your income level raises, you'll sort of settle into a point where you're spending as much money as you're making. And that's great for the economy. That means that stimulus is happening. People are buying things. Things have to be made because people are buying things. Um, The pretty obvious thing is that... um, Nobody would technically have to work, which gives employees a lot more power. Um, as it is now, any employer can basically threaten you with homelessness by saying, "I'm at any point in an at-will state, which is most states, they can simply fire you, give no reason to do it, owe you nothing for it, and you're basically...
0: You're totally fucked. If you can't find a job within a couple of days... You're likely to not be able to pay rent. You can get evicted. You, I mean, <clears throat> we had uh, one or two paychecks bounce, and we were worried about ending up on the streets. And it's really hard to save up a nest egg because when we do have a little bit of extra spending money, we want to spend it on things that make us happy. And when I say a little bit of extra spending money, I mean like maybe an extra $100, $150 a, a pay period. That's, I mean, to us, that's, that's a lot of money, but that goes towards... Okay, we want to go see a movie and we want to have dinner out. Like that's you know, I want to have a couple extra snacks in the house because I'm tired of eating fucking microwave food. So the idea that that it's my own fault that I'm not living as terribly as I possibly could so that I can't have money set aside, that's horrible. I'm I'm living the way that society has basically forced me to live. Is that When you finally do get a little bit of extra cash, it is all gone because you're so sick of living fucking terribly. You need to do something to make yourself happy. You spend 40 plus hours a week being miserable to get that little bit of money that all goes away to bills immediately. You're not living. You're just surviving. And people should get to live.
1: Exactly. Um, A very common sentiment you will hear is that poor people are bad at saving money. And to some degree, it's true. And it's exactly for the reason that you're describing here right now. Once you get any money, you want to enjoy things. You spend so much time not enjoying you feel anything... You about it. <laughs> ...that you will just kind of desperately grasp to any semblance of something that gives your life meaning. I mean, mm-hmm. What is the point of working day in and day out if at the end of the day you're just not happy and you're tired and you're upset yeah. all of the time.
0: You're, you're working day in and day out so that you can basically just have a place to call home and a bed to sleep in.
1: So an unconditional basic income would even the playing field between employers and employees. Right now, it is squarely in the employers because, again, they can threaten you with taking your job yeah, and you really have... No restitution. Um, in addition to that, there are you have so some, many but it's people. A pain
0: in the ass is usually not worth it. So.
1: Exactly. There are so many people who are trying to get jobs at any point in time that if if you lose your job, there's no guarantee you're going to be able to find another.
0: Yeah, and they can replace you easily. Yep. you can't replace your job that easily.
1: Exactly. And so, with a universal basic income, the worst that you could ever be threatened with is. Um, Can we
0: just call it UBI or UBI? Sure thing, UBI.
1: (laughs) The worst that could ever happen to you is that you're set back to just not having anything to do and not having extra income to spend on going out places.
0: But at least you're not killing yourself just to get that little tiny bit of having a life. Exactly. Yeah. I am all for it. Vote Jack for president 2020 or whatever.
1: (laughs) Please no. (laughs) So
0: it's gonna corrupt him. He'll turn evil.
1: It it sounds a bit fantasical, but it's not actually that far off from what we're already spending on the combination of what's called public services and the federal budget.
0: Do you know if any other countries are already kind of doing this right now? There's quite a few that are definitely ahead of us, even though, you know, supposedly we're the greatest country in the world. Not <laughs> but you know, there's like for example Canada and, and Europe have a lot of things going for them and they've they've had lots of different things going on with their their safety technology that we haven't had for a long time. They have a lot more safety processes in place to protect their citizens like the whole chip technology we just got with our credit cards. They've had that for so many years or actually moved past that a step now. We're just now getting it. I feel like we're living in the past because <laughs> we're just getting to that point. So I'm wondering if there's any other countries that are already Getting more of that automated, and they're they're starting to already live through that
1: um, at this point, I'm not aware of any that are specifically using just the universal basic income model. A lot of them have systems that are similar to our current welfare where depending on their poverty level, they get certain benefits afforded to them but um
0: closest one I could think of would be Denmark Denmark they don't have any homeless in Denmark. Nobody gets And they pay you to go to school. But you can't move there. They don't want you. It's really, really hard to become a citizen. You have to be born there. So,
1: Well, that's a discussion on immigration and yeah. itself. But sticking with universal basic income.
0: Ubi. Ubi. <laughs> <laughs> Ubi It has the silliest name in the galaxy. <laughs> you know you love me. <laughs>
1: Sticking with universal basic income, um, as anyone who has ever spent money is aware, um, money is not just, uh, for example, survival, shelter, food, water. It's also a limiting factor on what you can do with your life. It yes. decides where you go, it decides the type of people you can
0: Very interact infuriatingly with. So. Yeah.
1: Manages pretty much everything. Yeah. And so...
0: It's the difference between me getting to do the things that I want in my life and me having to basically give up all my hopes and dreams.
1: (laughs) A very common uh, saying is that you vote with your money.
0: Yeah.
1: But a lot of people just don't have that money in the first place. And the people who do have money are very frequently at a point where they have too much on their plate to really be active politically.
0: Hmm.
1: So it puts you in this catch-22 where you have to constantly work in order to make money, and the money you make is just enough to survive. And if you were ever to stop that cycle, you would just end up homeless. In both cases, you either have enough money that you could be active politically but don't have the time or you have the time where you could be active but you don't have the money.
0: Oh, Well, that's a lot to chew on, and uh, we've been at it for 40 minutes now. Can you believe it? You just, like I said, you can just go, Um, and I enjoy learning from you, but um, for the sake of anybody who's listening to our podcast, um, I'll go ahead and end it here, but I would Hope maybe you'll come on and do another talk to me again. And we can find some other topic to talk about because um, it's interesting. <clears throat> and I'm going to uh, skip the um, talk about the nerdy portion of um, of my podcast uh, this time around because we took up so much of your time already. Um, but I, I already have a plan for what I'm going to talk about next time. Um, if you're interested in uh, asking uh, Jack questions or or you know, you you have some counterpoints, somebody said, please feel free uh, to send an email to the thenergerpodcast at gmail.com and that will be passed along. So um, we can answer those. Thank you guys for listening. Um, we really appreciate it. And any closing words, Jack? Uh,
1: I would just like to end with the same disclaimer. I'm not an expert in the field. You should really do your own research if anything sounds like it doesn't make sense to you. There are pros and cons that I haven't discussed here, just uh, limitations of time. I could talk about it pretty much all day. It's (laughs) not a magic cure-all. It's not going to solve all the problems. But it might get us into a position where the average citizen has better bargaining power with our government.
0: I just thought of a good name for this podcast. Hmm. You're not going to like it, though. Um, Okay, well... That was awesome. So in a nutshell, uh, automation, good. Don't be scared. So um, leave it at that. And I hope you guys will continue to listen to my podcast. May the source be with you.